Hi, this is Pastor Bobby Andy, and today we're going to take a look at things in your life that cause you to throw in the towel and just give up when you don't need to. You're not held accountable for what other people do with the Word of God. You're accountable for what you do. Sound interesting? Join me today. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and welcome again to Student of the Word. Uh, today we're going to be taking up, uh, there's questions that come in the Christian life. You've always had these questions too. I did what I was supposed to do. I, I, I prayed by what the Word said to do, but it did, it, nothing happened. It didn't change. And we're going to talk about this today. Why did this happen is what I'm calling it. I have a book on call that also, Why Did This Happen? And I don't have all the answers. There's certain things I'm sure that are in God's hands. I worked for Kenneth Hagin for a number of years. He used to always say this. He said, there's some things in the Bible that the Bible calls about the secret things belong to the Lord. He said, I have the general answers and I can quote you what the Word of God says. And if it says it's going to happen, then it's going to happen. But he said, there's often times things that we don't see behind the scenes. So that's what I talk about today. And maybe settle some of the questions in your heart, but I don't have every answer. In fact, when we get to heaven, God will have every answer. All I can tell you is don't throw in the towel, don't give up. I did a, a funeral one time at the church. A man was a, a student at Raymond Bible Training Center. I had taught him there, but now I became pastor of the church and he was preparing his daughter to go there. She was you know, planning on going and he would brag on the school. She would go to a class with him once in a while. She was excited about going. And then one day he was in downtown uh, Sepulpa, which is close to Tulsa, and he was getting something in the store there. When he walked out, there was a drug deal that went sour on the sidewalk outside. One guy pulled out a gun to shoot the other guy, missed that guy, but hit this man from our church right in the chest. And I mean, he went down. And so he was in the hospital. And so she came to me, asked me to pray. I went and prayed with him, prayed over him. And uh, she also was there and, and praying over him. And so the point of it was she was expecting him to live, but he didn't live. I don't know why he did live. I don't have all the answers in what was going on in his heart. All I know is we prayed according to the word of God. He said he agreed with what we had prayed in the word of God. She said so also, but then he died. And I don't know what happened. I don't Listen, I, there have been times I have found out later on they had a vision of heaven. They saw Jesus didn't want to stay here and he escorted them to the other side. And so again, that's often happened or I've heard other people talk about, you know, they just gave up. They finally said, They'd want, they they didn't even want to stick around, but they didn't want to hurt anybody. So their kids would come to pray over them. They would say they accepted the prayer, but inside they really just wanted to go to be with the Lord. And in that case, I think you should be honest. If, if that's you on the deathbed and you're dying and you want to go, you ought to just tell people around you. My mom did that. I mean, on her deathbed, she was as healthy as could be, 91 years old, but she wanted to die. She kept telling us, I'm tired of living. I just want to go to be with Jesus. And even got upset when the doctor would tell her she was still in great health, but she finally went on to be with the Lord and was happy about it. But you know what? We knew the entire time she wanted to go. So when she left, we were happy about her going too. We missed her, but I can tell you this, she was in a much better place. So it comes back to this. Why does this happen? We often talk about, you know, the four types of ground. The first three were hard ground and stony ground and thorny ground. The fourth type was good ground, but even good ground is not exempt from being attacked. In Mark chapter four, I want to read verses 20 through 23 and talk about the attack on the good ground. It says, these are the ones which are sown on good ground. The ones who hear the word, receive it, immediately bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold. And he said to them, is a lamp bought to be put under a basket or a bed? 
or not to be set on a lampstand, for there's nothing hidden which shall not be manifest, neither was anything kept secret, that it should not come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And the Greek says, let him keep on hearing. What this is saying is even with good ground, there comes a time sometime when you want to hide your lamp under a bushel. You want to put it under a bed. You want to keep it where people can't see it. Doesn't mean your lamp went out. It just simply means you don't want to show it anymore. Your testimony, why? Because something happened that you don't understand. And this is saying in this verse of scripture that this is good ground. In fact, it starts out producing fruit. And in John the book of John, three definitions are brought out of a disciple. And one is that they produce a fruit. The next is they produce a love. And next of all, they continue in the word of God. Those are the three manifestations. Here's one of them is fruit. And it goes on to say there, and it produces 30, 60, and a hundred fold. Well, John says it produces fruit, then more fruit, then much fruit. All three of them are brought out here in this, which is again, indicating the fourth type of ground went all the way to becoming a disciple. Fruit bearing again is a sign of a disciple. Good ground is not exempt from Satan's attacks. Satan works in ways which momentarily can't be explained. And in this particular case, what happened was something happened to this person who was producing 30, then head towards 60 and maybe even a hundred fold. But something happened where they became embarrassed. They became upset. They took their lamp off the lampstand. They stuck it under a basket. They stuck it under a bed. And that way people couldn't see their lamp. They were Now they're ashamed to even say they went to that church and they don't want people to know. And they, if they do go to a church, they go to some church that doesn't teach as much of the word of God. They go to some place which is not so threatening where they used to be an outstanding example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now they are not and this verse we want to talk about, because again, maybe it can come back to this. Satan can momentarily work in ways that can't be explained. Something happened to where this person who understood the word suddenly ran across something they did not understand. And so they simply threw away everything they did understand because of something they did not understand. And so it comes back to this, is that what God is wanting us to do is even in the times when things can't be explained, stick with him. Stick with this and you'll know. I told that girl because uh, the girl that her uh, father was killed, uh, when I was doing the funeral and I was talking about this man, the Lord suddenly told me she's not going to go to school now. She's taking this excuse not to go to Bible school. And I stopped during the sermon. I pointed to her and said, listen, I know what you're saying. You're saying inside of yourself, you don't want to go to Bible school now because of what happened to your dad. You're thinking this stuff doesn't work. You're thinking that, you know, standing and praying for people to see them get healed or set free doesn't work. I said, I simply want you to understand if you throw this away and you suddenly run from God for the next 40, 50 years of your life, and then one day die and go to heaven and meet your dad, in heaven, he'll explain to you what happened. And what you'll find out is it, the whole thing was like, I ran from God all those years for that. You don't seem to understand that what happened inside of his heart, I don't know what happened inside of his heart, but I'll tell you this, I'm not gonna give up on God because of what he said in his heart or did in his heart. He might've just at that point suddenly given up, says, no, I just wanna go with, to be with the Lord. But he didn't tell you. I said, one day you'll stand in heaven and go, really, I ran from God because of that? Stick with God, stick with his word, stick with the plan. God will show you the plan for your life. And one day you'll meet your father and Jesus in heaven and find out what really happened and realize something. Thank God I didn't throw in the towel because of what I thought might've happened because I figured out in my own mind what happened and didn't really know. You will know everything one day when you get to heaven. All things will be explained by that time. And again, you'll be so glad in any circumstance you didn't turn from God, throw in the towel and give up. Take your lamp off a lampstand 
and stick it under where now you are no longer an outspoken testimony. You don't talk about Jesus. You don't spread the good news. You don't con- uh, you don't witness to other people because somehow you were let down in your life and somehow you think God didn't care about you. So again, of the ground that was there, again, something didn't happen in your life. And here's what often happens is, oftentimes when it happens in someone else's life, you think you should have known in your life, such as with that girl. We don't know what happened in her father's life. I don't know what happened in her father's life. I don't know what the father saw while he was laying on the bed. Perhaps he saw heaven and wanted to go to be with the Lord. This has happened in cases where, again, I have even held funerals and found out later on from someone close to them that they really did not want to stay here. They wanted to go on to be with the Lord. So it often happens when you pray for someone else and it didn't seem to work. Here's what Mark eleven twenty four says. We know it practically by heart. I say to you, Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Five times the word you is repeated in that verse to let you know you're not praying for someone else, you're praying for yourself. You know your heart, you know your condition, you know everything. And often in that case, you have no excuse for it. But there's another type of prayer where you're asked to agree with somebody and they may say they're agreeing, but the point of it is you don't know their heart. Matthew 18, 19, I say to you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done through my Father who is in heaven. Faith will work for you, but you're not sure when you pray for someone else if you truly agreed. You can properly pray, but you're not responsible for them. You stood on scripture, believed that you received with them, prayed in the name of Jesus. You blessed God at the end, believed that it was done and literally don't understand why something didn't happen. But listen again, you don't know what happened in their heart. Much like that girl didn't know what happened in her father's heart. You don't know if there was sin in their life, unforgiveness. You don't even know if they really wanted prayer agreement. They just ask you politely to agree with them. They nodded when said when you said, did we agree in prayer? Yes. So you can do nothing else. If it failed, it had to be something outside of your control. So quit blaming yourself and then don't blame God. You don't know and will not know totally till you get to heaven. Oftentimes it works for others, but you pray it seems not to work for you. Again, in many cases, you know it works for you. You're not sure it works for someone else. But on the other hand, oftentimes you see somebody else blessed and you pray for yourself and it doesn't seem to work for yourself. Paul and Silas were delivered from prison. Acts chapter five, verse 17 through 24, the apostles were delivered from prison. Doors opened up and they came out, much like Paul and Silas. The place shook where they were at, the chains fell off of them. And through that deliverance, they led the Philippian jailer to the Lord, his family to the Lord. What a wonderful day that was. Acts chapter 16, verse 25 and 26 explain this. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, saying praises to God and the prisoners heard them and suddenly there was a great earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosened. Yet think about this, John the Baptist was not delivered from prison. Matthew chapter 11, verses two through six. When John heard in prison the works of Jesus, he sent two of his disciples who said to him, are you really him who was to come or do we look for another? Now listen, here's what John, John was doubting Jesus because of his own personal circumstances. Jesus said to them, what what John expected was Jesus, who was his cousin in the natural, to come stand outside that prison window there where the bars were and explain to him what was going on. But Jesus said to those that were sent, go and show John again, underline that word again, 
the things which you see in here. In other words, when you don't know what's going on and you don't have an answer, fall back on what you do know. Jesus said, go back and tell John again. He knows everything that's going on. The things you hear and see, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who's not offended because of me. John was offended because of Jesus. So no answer was given. Jesus did not just give him a great answer as to why he was in prison. He said, John, think back on this. Am I really the Messiah? Duh, you were sent to represent me. You called yourself the forerunner of Jesus. And you even know that you're my cousin. My parents are close to Jesus' parents. These are things that John should have been thinking about. And what he was simply saying was, I think I need special treatment. I think I need reassurance. And John let the circumstances offend him. Others went to prison, they were delivered, and John was not. What was the answer? We'll cover it when we come back right after the break. What happens if we've prayed, but it seems like God isn't answering? Or if we are believing God for someone's healing, but their condition is getting worse? What if tragedy has already struck? Like the loss of a loved one, a failed marriage, or ruined business? We may begin to wonder, was it my fault? I prayed, but didn't receive an answer. At times, we don't know for sure why something has happened, but God has promised He will answer. He simply tells us to return to what we know. He has not brought us this far to abandon us. In Why Did This Happen? Bobby Andian outlines the biblical steps to overcoming tragedy and what to do when we don't understand why something hasn't happened. We can take hope, strength, and confidence, knowing that God's Word and plan for our life will not fail if we get up and begin moving forward again. To order Why Did This Happen? Visit our website at bobbyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Pastors, ministers, I know many of you would like to have some evening classes. Maybe you don't have enough in the congregation to really have fellowships, home groups, things like that. But this is the most important. This is supplemental the Word of God. I have a curriculum series, 10 30-minute uh, lessons on video, as well as my book on end times that goes along with it, a teaching on the subject of probably one that pastors fear the most is end times. Don't understand it. With all the different viewpoints today, I come back to the basic of what the Word of God says. There is a rapture of the church coming, and seven years later after that, Jesus is coming back to establish His millennial kingdom on this earth. And so much is taught in the Word of God about the simplicity of what God is saying. Once you understand it, then it seems like confusion is gone. If you'd like to do this, you might have a time where you do it over a two-week period, five nights a week, or spread it out into 10 weeks, whatever you would like to do. I know it'll be a great blessing to you. And on top of that, your congregation will come out smarter on the other end, and you'll look good because you brought it into the church. See about having this series just for yourself. Let's take another look at John the Baptist while he was in prison. Matthew chapter 11, verses two through six. While you're again finding that, I simply wanna say thank you to all those who support. Thank you to those who give. Thank you for my partners. 
And just thank you again for your prayers, all that you do to help make this ministry such a success. If you're not a partner with me, I'd love for you to be a partner. If you've been watching for some time and you just love the word that's being taught, you know what? Join me as a partner. And you can go to my website, bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner with me in this ministry. Again, I thank you in advance. John was in prison. And in verses two through six of Matthew chapter 11, he was there and wondering why he was in prison. And even begin to doubt, is Jesus the Messiah? Look at, look at all the things that he's doubting. He began to doubt the things he knew because of what he didn't know. And it simply comes back to this again. Don't let the things that you know float away, disappear because of what you don't know. So John was not set free. No answer is given in the word of God. He asked uh, the things we want to know often, and the answer was God was, or Jesus was telling him what he already knew. Fall back on what you know. John was offended, and here's probably what he was thinking. I know I was called as the forerunner of Jesus. I'm even Jesus' own cousin. My parents are close to Jesus' parents. I need special treatment. I need reassurance. And simply because I am so close to Jesus, was his forerunner, why does he even come and see me in prison? John let the circumstances offend him. Others went to prison. They were delivered. John never thought he would probably go to prison. And what he did was he set artificial limits on the trials and problems he was going through. And so what was John's parents thinking? Well, Jesus doesn't even come to visit John. Does Jesus not care? What was Jesus' answer? His answer was tell him again that the blind see, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. John, go back to what you know. Don't cast away your confidence. We are told this in the book of Hebrews. Don't throw away, cast away your confidence. Why? Because of the problems you're going through, don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away what you know because of what you don't know. Don't build your theology on what you don't know. Build your theology on what you do know. Let's take a look at Peter and James. Acts chapter 12, verses three through 17, Peter was delivered from prison. What a great story this is. I mean, he was thrown into prison and he was there. He even went to sleep that night knowing the next day he was supposed to be martyred, supposed to be killed. And while he's in prison, there is a prayer meeting going on. And in that prayer meeting, uh, the, the people of the church were praying. And all of a sudden in Peter's cell, an angel came and the chains dropped off of him. And uh, uh, he stood up, he put on his coat, put on his shoes. And all of a sudden the doors all opened up and he walked out, ended up out in the streets and finally came to him. So he was so slow. Sleepy. He was so asleep that literally when he came out, he thought he was dreaming all this and suddenly realized, no, an angel actually delivered me out of here. And so, and yet at the beginning of that chapter, that's Acts chapter 12, verse three through 17. What happened in the two verses before that? Well, about this time, James was sent to prison. And in Acts chapter 12, verses one and two, now about the time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to kill certain ones of the church, he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. No answer is given why he wasn't freed. God doesn't give us answers about other people so much, but the person themselves know. I don't know why James was killed. I don't know why he wasn't delivered because right after his story about him being killed is the story of Peter being delivered out of prison. And so now we have it. The Bible does not have to give us answers about everybody else. We'll find this out when we get to heaven. What happened in him should not have brought any kind of doubt, unbelief, or, or, or fear into anybody else that they wouldn't be delivered. It simply stands this is James was an individual. What happened in his heart, we don't know. Why he was killed, we don't know exactly, but yet Peter right after him was delivered. 
it comes back to this. We can't just throw it all off on God's sovereignty and say, well, only God knows. No, there's usually reasons behind it. And I do believe in the sovereignty of God, but I think sometimes we stretch it out so far. But what God was simply saying was, we don't know, don't live in question over what happened to somebody else and then take their seeming on the outside lack of success and then put it on yourself. No, you won't know till you get to heaven what happened to them and you'll be so glad to find out they didn't give up, didn't give in, but perhaps they saw heaven and wanted to go on or God simply told them, you're gonna be one of those martyrs. It's my will that this happens to you. You're gonna set a great precedent for others. And just as later on, we have it in the book of Acts where Stephen became that first martyr after the church began. We have this with James later on in the book of Acts. So why, what happened? Was James in faith? We don't know, we don't know what was in his heart. Was there unforgiveness in his heart? We don't know. Was there sin in his life? We don't know. Did he wanna stay on this earth or go to heaven? We don't know. But don't be so concerned again over what you don't know. As I said before, don't throw away what you know because of what you don't know. Don't build your theology on what you don't know, build it on what what you do know. You know, Elijah, there came a time when after Elijah's great success, one after another, after another, after another, calling down fire from heaven, he suddenly is, finds himself in a cave and feeling sorry for himself. He ran from the queen. She made an announcement to him, I'm gonna kill you. Send him a note. She didn't mean it. Why would she send a note to tell him she's gonna kill him? Why not just send somebody with a dagger and kill him? No, she sent a note because she knew something. She was afraid of him and wanted to put fear inside of him. And guess what? It worked. Elijah started running. So he ended up in this cave. He had, God had given him a supernatural piece of cake and supernatural water. He ran for 40 days in the strength of that, but he ran in the wrong direction. He was supposed to run back to his ministry, not further from his ministry, and he ended up in a cave. And so in the cave, there was a wind outside, a storm, an earthquake, and God wasn't in any of them. He was waiting for some spectacular thing. How often do we miss the supernatural because we're looking for the spectacular? And that's what he did. Basically probably saying, well, Lord, make me another cake. God was in the still small voice, not in the wind, the storm, the earthquake. It was coming through this. The Lord was simply saying, Elijah, have I always led you before by that still small voice inside of you? And here you are asking for wind, storms, earthquakes, big supernatural things. Elijah, go back to what you know. Don't throw away, Elijah, what you know because of what you don't know. What are some of the reasons for unanswered prayer? Well, there can be a lack of faith. There can be unforgiveness. These are things warned of in the word of God. There can be sin in your life. You can have doubt. Do you really want deliverance? In other words, what I'm telling you is we don't always know in somebody else's life what it was. We can know in ours. But oftentimes we throw in the towel because of what happened to somebody else. We look at the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. And one day you'll get to heaven and find out. All I'm saying is don't throw away your life and especially what happens to somebody else because you're not accountable to them, you're accountable to yourself. But I agreed in prayer with them. Did you really? You don't know if you truly, really agreed with them. They said that they agreed with you and they said that you two agreed in prayer, but you're not sure. There may be things, they might've just said that to make you feel good, but again, it comes back to this, you just don't know. What I say is this, there's always a story behind the story. And you don't find sometimes that story behind the story till you get to heaven. But it comes back to this again. There's always a story behind the story. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 20, Trophimus was left at Miletus because he was sick. Multitudes were healed under Paul. 
Trophimus was left sick in the city where Paul met pastors after a great revival where many were healed. People were raised from the dead by Paul, but nothing is said about why he was sick. Paul had raised the dead, Acts chapter 14, verse 19 and 20. But Stephen was not raised from the dead. Acts chapter 7, verse 55 through 60, he died, went on to be with the Lord in heaven. But in Lystra, after seeing a layman heal, Paul was raised from the dead after being stoned to death. And this is what happened with Stephen. Why wasn't Stephen raised from the dead? I don't know. Here you are asking me, and you're probably asking yourself these questions, but I can tell you this, I'm not gonna throw in the towel. I'm not gonna give up my ministry. I'm not gonna run out the door. I'm not gonna take my lamp off the lampstand and stick it under a bushel or under a bed and not let my light shine. All I can say is there's some things I will not know until I get to heaven. But what I don't know isn't God's gonna cause me to turn from what I do know. I'm a stick with what I know. It all comes back to this. Why do some things happen in life? I don't have answers for everything, but God does and eternity will tell you. And when you get to heaven and see it, you go, thank God I didn't give up. Thank God I didn't throw in the towel. Thank God I didn't give up on the things of God, the call on my life and the great things that had happened to me, I didn't throw them all away for something that I didn't understand at the moment. So Stephen was stoned to death, did not come back from the dead. Was Stephen in faith? Well, the answer should be yes. I mean, he was there in faith. In fact, he saw heaven. He preached a great sermon, died at the end of that sermon. Did Stephen have sin in his life or doubt? I don't think so. He seemed to be a man that everything was said so good about him, passed all the tests to become, uh, you know, a leader in the church, uh, first of all, a deacon in the church, then later on a, a great teacher of the word of God. Did Stephen have unforgiveness in his life? I don't think so, but I don't know exactly. Did Stephen want to stay on this earth? No, he saw heaven, even saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. This is what it was. Again, I come back to this. What's happened in your life? Did you pray for a sister or a brother or a dad or a mom that you thought should have lived? Did someone in your church that just loved Jesus and all that come down critically ill and you went and prayed for them and they said they agreed with you, they said they received it? You know what? I've had uh, some that I've laid hands on. There was a doctor in our church and developed fourth level uh, pancreatic cancer. The worst it's gonna be. He was dead and dying. And on top of that, he was a doctor. And when I went to see him in the hospital, he told me, he said, Pastor Bob, this is a difficult thing to do because I'm a doctor. I know everything that's going on in my body because I've worked on so many other people. It's hard for me to stand in faith. I said, then turn that rational side of your brain off and just do this, receive what I'm about to say. I laid hands on him and I cursed that pancreatic cancer. I told him to leave his body because his ministry wasn't over on this earth. And within a few days, he was totally well. And he said, here I am a doctor. He said, I can't explain it other than the fact that I know it was the power of God. And he's still alive today, still doing a great work. And I saw him a number of months ago. This was years ago this happened in the hospital. And he still draws up, he still remembers it and remembers the prayer that was prayed over him. So it simply comes back to this. You can change yourself, but you can't always change what happens in others. The only one you're accountable for is for yourself. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 20 through 22 says, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and earth and some to honor and some to dishonor. Oh, that's me. I'm just a vessel of dishonor. Notice the next verse. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, useful for the master's use, prepared to every good work. Flee youthful lusts, 
Follow righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. What's this verse saying? You can purge yourself. You can't purge other people, but you can purge yourself. You can bring yourself to become a vessel of honor and sanctified and useful for God, but you're not held accountable for other people. God can work in you if you'll simply do something simple. Flee those youthful lusts, follow after righteousness, follow after faith, follow after love and peace. And then understand this, God has a great work to do in your life. Simply again, turn your life over to him. Don't run from his ministry, don't run from his calling. I don't care what happened to other people's lives, you'll find out that later. Stick with God yourself. See you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.